Hey, uh, happy Sunday. If you know, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be a great one. We're continuing our, our look at Romans. Um, couple of heads up warnings. Um, get more coffee. Uh, this is a big chapter. Uh, I, when we were talking about this months and months ago, Scott's like, hey, I want to get you, you know, in the schedule more regularly, all that good stuff. And um, I, I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I won't do my own thing. I'll just keep going, you know, all that great. And then I forgot, like I did the math, you know, I looked at Romans 8 and I was like, oh, I should have done my own thing. So uh, we're going to be talking about some pretty crazy stuff today. Um, so friendly, just warning, uh, if you're lost, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. Right. Uh, if, if you think, think about your Christian life, thoughts, all processes, doctrines, and all stuff, think about it as like a wedding cake, right? The very top is the most important part, right? It's small. It's tiny. Those are the big doctrines that you got to agree on. If you're a Christian, right? Jesus is God. He died, came back. Very few other things. Very few. There should be like four things in there, right? If you go down from there, it gets bigger, right? More doctrines, but not as important, but still important, but not as important, right? And we're not, this is where we're going to stop fighting. And then if you go down from that, it gets even bigger. And we're definitely not going to fight about that. So we're not up here today. Like we are always up here, right? But then we're more down here. So like if, if this stuff bothers you, just... It's okay, right? Remember when we talked about Revelation a million years ago in January? Uh, I, I said, hey, we're just not going to fight about it. We could talk, we could debate, we could, we could have disagreements, but I'm simply not going to fight over it. And this is definitely today. So I'm gonna, I might be opening a door for you that might be exciting. You might want to learn about, but it's a door. It's not like something that we're going to fight over because a lot of churches have fought over it, and it never ends well. So remember that as we go. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Did I scare anybody? It's not that, that I'm trying to say it's not that important. I'm trying, so, you know, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Dear God, uh, thank you for this day. Just thank you uh, for, for some of this stuff that may be confusing uh, to, to me and some, maybe some other people. But uh, we just thank you that we can struggle. And, and in that struggle, we know that uh, we can become stronger people. Maybe, maybe lift a little bit more weights that we've done before. Maybe you know, lift a little bit of those mind weights that, that we haven't been able to do in the past. And, and just become more like you. More, struggle as we become more like you, God. I pray for all these things in your name. Amen. Okay. We're okay. So get some coffee if you need it. Don't worry. Okay. So we're going to get started. Uh, if you checked out the title, uh, we're going to part two. I didn't think that, that the last week's sermon was going to be part one. Scott didn't either, but I was, I was sitting there uh, a couple weeks ago and I was looking at it. And I was like, man, this goes so connected to last week's sermon that I think it really deserves a part two. If you remember, once again, a million years ago, last Sunday, uh, we were talking about this war within. Remember this? How there's, there's a battle going on, and, and we want to do what's right, but we don't. And, and there's, there's things that, that we have to remember. So these rules, right? And we're going to keep talking about those rules. But um, if, if you need a little refresher, maybe after today, go back, reread it, look at it, all that good stuff. And, and then approach it another way. But I just wanted to remind you of that. Remember that it's talking about, a lot of this is talking about laws. Old Testament law and the law of the flesh, right? So Old Testament law is all that stuff that, that we read in the Old Testament. Still absolutely important, 
right? We're not discrediting it. That's part of the reason why it's brought up. But things that we are meant that we cannot do. Perfection, right? One of the core principles of Christianity is that there's a place called heaven. Who can go there? Perfect people. That's it, right? There's no hope. There's no other way. You have to be perfect, period. And then Jesus came along. So, so all leading up, hey, uh, are you perfect? Well, there's no hope. You have to do that. You have to do that, right? But in there, there's great absolute hope that we have. So remember all of that law from the Old Testament, all the law of the flesh, that's the idea of, hey, uh, I, I want to do what's right. I, I, I know I don't want to yell at my wife or let yell at my husband. I don't want to do sin because those are bad things. I don't want to lie. I don't want to cheat. I don't want to steal. But I do them. Why is that? I know they're wrong. I'm teaching my kids that they're wrong. But I still do it. That's the law of the flesh. And now we're starting to talk about that law of grace, the law of Jesus, right? Continuing that. So let's continue. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore, so remember the cheesiest church joke you're ever going to remember, right? When you see therefore, you have to ask why it's therefore. I hate that joke and I have to do it. (laughs) It's legally, I don't know. So uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, when we look back, we say, oh, you're not perfect. You can't go to heaven condemnation. But that's not the case, right? There's no condemnation who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of the life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death, the law of the flesh, the law that says we are human. If fear was a thing, a hundred percent of us are going to hell. We, we, we are not perfect, So the law of sin, the law of death is that we are punished for that, right? Verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. We can't do it. We're set up to not be perfect, right? We, We have a choice to not eat the fruit. Let's go back to all the way to Genesis. Something very silly almost, something very easy that all of us think we could pull off. And or... We listen to God, right? We don't we we eat the fruit or we listen to God. Very simple. 50-50 shot. We choose wrong every time, right? By sending his own son, how did he do it? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Why did Jesus come down as a human? Why didn't he come down as a fish? Why didn't he come down as a goat? Why, do, why didn't he come down as the sheep? We call him that, a lamb. Why did, couldn't we have a perfect lamb to die, to sacrifice? Well, we absolutely could have, but hey, look. Someone who's supposed to be under the law of son, under the law of death, as a human, he pulls it off. Something that Adam was meant to do, listen to God, be in commune with God, someone who's supposed to be in relationship with God doesn't. Not only does Adam mess up, Eve messes up, their kids mess up, their kids mess up, onwards for thousands of years, everyone messes up, and there comes Jesus. 
a human, a hundred percent human, a hundred percent God, and he pulls it off. You you think everything is wrong? You think it's impossible to follow Christ? You think it's impossible to follow God? Guess what? I'm going to send myself down as a human and pull off the law, right? Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You ever hear statement, live by the sword, die by the sword? Yeah, it's pretty old school. What does it mean? Interactive, right? Yeah, you, you live by it, you die by it. If, if you live by war, it's going to catch up to you, right? If you, if you live by, by the sword, by attacking, by doing eventually it's going to catch up with you. If you live by the flesh, you're going to die by the flesh, right? And, and that, that statement seems kind of, kind of counterintuitive, but it's absolutely true, right? And we know this. If you live for things of this world, finite things, if that is the ultimate goal, your ultimate goal is finite. If you live for money that changes daily, does that mean about your ultimate goal? You live by the sword, you die by the sword. You live by the flesh, you die by the flesh. If you live for the Spirit, you... Oh, 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 no! Read it again! Yeah, I got gotcha. <laughs> Get more coffee, right? Uh, for those, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life. Live by the Spirit... Uh huh. Th- that's it. There's no end. There's no die by the spirit. You you live right, and that's the cool part, right? Uh, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, before it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in flesh cannot please God. Those who don't go to church, those who, no, those who are in flesh cannot please God. See, there's, there's, um, ultimately, I, I believe that everyone becomes a Christian, everyone comes to Christ because ultimately they have to, they have to realize that, that their life is not in the right. How they do that, why they do that. The, the reasoning behind it, there's a billion different reasons, right? But eventually you have to look at your life and say, I'm missing something. So you become a Christian, right? Uh, a lot of times people become a Christian, they go to camp, and this is the perfect time to do this because a lot of us did something over this, this summer and, and they made new commitments. They went to Mexico, they went to, kids went to summer camp, kids went to Camp Rock, and we had it's amazing. It's wonderful. People come to Christ, people rededicating their lives, people going to Mexico and being more grateful. The list goes on and on, right? And then August hits, September, October hits, and they say, yeah, but I, 
I'm not like at peace. Why? Why is I gave my life to Christ? I'm believing in Him. But though, let me flash back a little bit. For those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Let me ask you, does setting your mind on the Spirit, does that only exclusively happen between the hours of 9 and 10.15, 10.45, if Scott's preaching, right, on Sunday morning? It's part of it. Does setting your mind exclusively mean that you are thinking about God between an hour a week. If that's it, there's not a lot going on in your mind. <laughs> if 100% of what we think about, about God, about religion, about all, your relationship with God, if that's all happening between now and 30 minutes from now, what are we thinking about the rest of the week, guys? We say that we've dedicated our lives to Christ. We've set ourselves up to say, look, I'm going to follow God with everything we have, with everything I have, all the things. We project this life, but in the same hand, an hour from now and, and six days from now, we're thinking about entirely different things. What is the war that's going on in our lives? We've dedicated our life to God, and yet we haven't set our minds on Him. Absolutely, positively, 100%, if we don't think about God until seven days from now, there is war in our lives. 100%. We dedicate our life. We, get, we, we, we say that this is the most important thing, and it's not. There's war. How do we achieve peace? There's no... Yeah, I'm, I'm at church on Sunday, and guess what? In the same hand, in the same time, in the same moment, I'm saying that God is most important. I'm going to work. And I'm hanging out with friends. And I'm 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 going to see movies and I'm watching sports and do you see the peace that comes along with this? It's no longer two lives, a totally separate person. It's now one unified person. When we think about war, we project outwards. We say there's a battle going on, and it's it's this side and that side. The war, guys, absolutely, there's a, you know, most of the time, the war in this. Saying, yeah, I'm going to teach my kids one way, but I'm also going to live that way. <laughs> I'm saying, hey, person over here, you need to live like this. And I can tell you what it looks like to live like this. Read your Bible every day. Why? Because I've done it. And it works when we teach kids, hey, it's bad to lie, it's bad. And then we go to work and, and <laughs> war, unrest, 
right? Um, verse 9, uh, you, however, are not, Ashley's not here. I'm going to get lost. Oh, get ready for that. <laughs> uh, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, how anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Um, we, we focus absolutely rightfully and absolutely, um, I don't want to say like correctly, but um, we, th- this right here, Super important. Have you realized, like, we talk about the cross a lot. Absolutely. The death of Jesus is absolutely, it's, it's important. If you don't understand what happened on the cross, you don't understand Christianity. Plain and simple, right? There's a second part. Did you know? It's not just Good Friday, folks. There's Easter. And, and along with the death, Christ came back. And we say, oh, well, he proved he's Jesus and, and, uh, and he conquered death. And absolutely all those things are true. But we forget, we don't emphasize enough that, hey, if Jesus was God, is God, and he died and for sin and for us and all the green language and all those good things, right? And, but he wasn't able to come back. What hope do we have? We follow Christ all the time, and, and, and he's the son of God, but he didn't come back. We die. If he couldn't do it, I can't do it. My grandma couldn't do it, and my great-great-great-grandma, right? It, it, it's, it's hope. It brings life. And hey, Jesus came back to the dead, so that hope that when we die eventually, right? When we die, there's hope in that. So then, brothers, verse 12, uh, we are debtors. I thought we were free. No condemnation. Huh? We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Do you remember this? You live by the flesh, you die by the flesh. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's a paradoxical principle. I'm going to make a book and make it for men. And it's a paradoxical principle that it, in order to live, you have to die. If you don't get the joke, you should go to Porky's, right? Uh, verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received, past tense, the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our souls, with our spirit, that we are children of God, present tense. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. We suffer with him, past, present, right? In order that we may also be glorified, future, 
with him. That's interesting. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Folks, uh, I've said this for years, but when, when you see the finish line, you can go through just humanity in general. You can go through a lot, right? If you're in a marathon and the marathon, what's a marathon? Like I know, right? It's like 180 miles, right? Or what? I don't care, right? I, like I turned 18, I got a car, be an adult, drive, right? Like, so you go to the marathon and it's terrible, it's horrible. And after a while, your body wants to give up. But every single time, no matter how tired the runners get, you could see it in their face and videos. And I've, I've heard the stories, right? They see the finish line and all of a sudden they get energy and they're happy. But like a hundred yards ago, they weren't happy. What's the difference? It's ending. It's going. There's hope. It's gonna end, and it's right there. You go hiking. One of the best moments is when it's over. But one of the best moments is is when you're when you're hiking up the hill, and you could say that's the summit, and it's way up there, and it's ooh, but it, that's the summit. Why? There's finish the line. There's a goal, right? What if we took that mentality to this life? If this life is forever eternal and we're just going to suffer and, and, and somehow, in some way, in a million years from now, we'll see. But it's in there's a lot of suffering. How are we going to approach life? How are we going to approach suffering? If we, now let's flip it, if we honestly believe that all the suffering that we put on in our entire life, the 80, 90, 100 years that we're on this planet, is this much minuscule amount when we look at eternity, what kind of perspective does that give us? That, yeah, I lost my job, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I, what I, I lost my home, and yeah, and all those terrible things. But it's this big when we look at eternity. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is is to be revealed to us. Absolutely pain. Absolutely saying that this is hard. Death is like hard and sad and what, you know, fill it in, right? Absolutely. We're not going to shame people for feeling bad and tell them that, oh, you, well, you got to pray. Why do you feel like that? You see them. Yeah, it's true, but you It's sad. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. Zero. It's not 1%. It's not 0.5%. It's zero with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Remember, we looked at who's the sons of God, people who have the Spirit, live by the Spirit, right? So something that's happened in the past, for the creation waits with eager longing, future, for the revealing of the sons of God, future. 
I gave my life to Christ in the past. We looked and God redeemed us. And he's, it's going to be revealed. What do we do with that? I'm a little confused, right? Verse 19, for the creation waits eagerly, uh, longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 24, the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. See, if we, if our hope of freedom is in our hands, for creation was subjected to futility, if it is our hope, our power, our ability, our way, of becoming free, we don't have a shot. We're under that Old Testament law. What, how do we get into heaven? Perfection. Futility. I cannot pull that off. But, but we give that up uh, because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free Is it me doing it or will be set free? Someone is doing it to me from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of God, glory of the children of God. Our hope of being saved, not in our hands. Our hope of being saved is because of God, right? We have that hope, but it's because of God. Verse 22, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly, eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of of our body, something that's happened in the future? I thought I was already a son. Something that's going to happen in the future. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. I'm becoming a son, but I was already saved? Uh, What? For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is, is not hope. For who hopes in what he could see? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. Uh, no one uh, has hope uh, like a big guy, right? There, we, we have hope uh, in a whole kind of different hope, right? Um, can, can, the, can the audience in the, on the YouTubes, right? I know you guys don't see these chairs, so you don't know about these chairs. If you come to our church, you know about these chairs, Right, I've been going to this church for like 150 years, and I've sat in these chairs a thousand times. I've been going here for like six and a half, seven years. I don't remember anymore, but like I've literally sat in these chairs a thousand times. In order for me to do this, causes me no hope, and now it's going to break. No, uh, it causes me no hope, no trust, because I've done it. In in order to hang signs for Camp Rock, I did have to get a little elevation help. Right, like it was crazy, but like I stood on these chairs. I've done sermons for youth where like, I was like jumping on these. I stood on the backs. I did all that. Very little hope in that. Uh, one of the trips to Mexico uh, this past, I can't remember if it was spring or summer, but I'm going to say it was summer. Uh, there's, there's an individual. His name's Fernando. 
He's beautiful, wonderful. He's engaged. I don't know how he tricked her, but like he's engaged. Congratulations. Like it's, 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 it's amazing and wonderful. I'm super happy for him, but we're having lunch and, um, we're all getting ready to eat lunch and I'm sitting on a bucket and, and Fernando's not like, he's not huge, but like he's a large individual, right? And he brings out this bag and the bag is like this big. I'm not even kidding. The bag is this big and he's, and I'm kind of just staring at him and he takes this out and, and it's a stick. He's got these sticks that are about like, I don't know, like a foot, maybe not even that. And he's got like six of them and he unravels this thing. And I'm like, what is he doing? He unravels this. It's literally just six sticks pointing in different directions. And I'm like, what is that thing? Like, is it a lunch box? Like, do you get a little table? He puts this covering over it. I'm like, that's a seat. That's a seat for a child. Like, don't sit in that. And I'm like, Fernando, don't sit. What are you doing? Right? He's like, no, 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 It's fine. It's fine. And he puts it down. He sets it. He's like, try it. Excuse me? No, 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 no. He's like, no, 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 just try it. I'm like, dude, I don't care. I'm going to get a laugh. Ha ha. You brother. I sit in this thing and, and I'm like this. Right? Okay, I'm sitting. Right? And all my weight is on my, my feet. He's like, no, no, sit back. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to break. I've never had so much hope and faith in an inanimate object in my entire life. And the thing held. He's like, yeah, that, that thing, it could hold like 500 pounds or something. I'm like, what? There's no way, right? So I'm sitting on this thing. I had Ryan Bonjourno sit on my lap. It didn't break. Why am I telling you this? Well, hope, who has hope in something you can see? I could see that I've done that. That impossible thing that cannot do it, did it. If God is here, if God is in the room with us and he's doing, he's doing miracles left, right, center, and, and Billy Bob walks in and he's got cancer and he fixes Billy Bob and then, hey, you got cancer, but Jesus isn't here. You got all the faith in the world. You got all the hope. You know what's hard? Why? Well, yeah, but that might be modern science. That, it's probability, and that couldn't have been Jesus. When the world is telling you one thing, you know for a fact it can't be true. When the world is saying that it's probability, possibility, an infinite amount of chance we hit the one, and you're saying that there's a single plan from the start of eternity. That takes faith. That takes hope. That takes a lot of peace because you ain't getting it from anybody else, right? Verse 26. Oh, man, here we go. Are you ready? You thought, oh, this was all the hard stuff. Oh, I get it. I can handle this. Okay, we're about to, we're about to open up a can that's been opened up for thousands of years, and people have fought and died over this. I'm not even exaggeration, right? Is the idea of free will. We're talking today about something that, hey, uh, you talk about God, you talk about humanity. God's got a plan, all sovereign, all controlling God, and then there's us. How do those two things work out, right? Does God make me do something? Does God know that I'm going to do something? 
Does the pan revolve around God entirely and we are just in, in a cog in the machine and no matter what we do, doesn't matter. If we do or do not, it does not matter because God is in control. Or God foreknew, oh, he's saying the words, right? God knew that I was going to do it. And because he knew I was going to do it, he's going to make it part of our plan. We're talking about that, right? If you're, if you're looking for the words, Calvin, Arminian, Arminianism, right? right? And it's this basic idea that, I'll, hey, it's, it's all about free will. So we're going to be talking about today. Uh, if you don't know, it's okay. Don't worry. You just got to know Jesus loves you, right? Verse 26, that likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Verse 27, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because of the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. How do we know what's right? How do we know what's wrong? Well, the Spirit's in us, right? Verse 28, how do we pray correctly? How do we desire for what's good? Well, because we know we live in flesh and we cannot do it, right? The Spirit's in us. Verse, verse 28, and we know that uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What does it make you feel? For, and, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Does that mean that if your life is not good, what, what, if, what if someone who's not a believer, their life is pretty good and they're making a lot of money and they're doing, what does that mean? Well, what, what, is the, what does the Bible describe as working together for good? Look at some stories about people being slow, sold into slavery and then back out of slavery and then back into slavery. Okay, so maybe those is what he's talking about. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew... Oh, here we go. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the first firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, there's another word, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. All these words, they're trigger words. People have literally left churches over this. And those whom justified, he glorified. I can spend days talking about this and we could bring people and we can have debates. Here's what I want you to take away from this. One, how does the Bible shape your views of the Bible? So much of the time, we encounter the Bible and we say, I believe this. How does the Bible get shaped by this. Do you see what the difference is? I believe that, that, that these set of things, A, B, C, and I, I read the Bible, and how does the Bible shape into A, B, C? Don't do that. Instead, how is A, B, C changed because I read the Bible? Do we understand the difference? Number two, when we have ABC, when I encounter things that are different, what do I do? 
for years and 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 and, and I don't want to say it because I've done it you've probably done it you're probably better than me but like I encounter stuff and I just say hmm, that's weird you know like I, I read something in the Bible that I don't like I don't agree with and I'm like huh, I'm gonna go to that but yeah that's fine don't worry about that so when we when we say oh let's just let's just pick out an example that God predestined people it's not about foreknowing it's not about anything like that if God predestined individuals for heaven and hell and that's your starting point how do you encounter this likewise if it's all about free will you look about this passage what do you do with this passage good way to do that is look at the order Let's figure out this order, All right? Uh, uh, oh gosh, where Ashley? Where am I? And, and we know that uh, intercedes uh, for the saints according to the will of God, and we know that uh, for those who love God, all things work together for His good. For those who are called according to His purpose, is that the starting place? Maybe I don't know. For those whom He foreknew, maybe that's the starting place. He also predestined. Is there an A and a B to that? It sounds like they're together. That I don't like that. That's hard to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, something that we're trying to start off with, he also called. What's the order there? Sounds like it's together. And those whom he called he also justified. What's the order there? Wow. Maybe Jesus works outside our little minds when we're trying to figure something out and we like to put rules and, and tulips and well, I don't even know, right? And just to make so that we can understand maybe all these things work together. Verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. See, we look at this life and we say stuff happened in the past and stuff's happening in the present and stuff happens in the future and it's nice and concise and easy. We're finite people dealing with an infinite God. The creator of time is not subjected to time. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare, that's a verse you should remember, right? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all us, for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is the interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Is that an all-inclusive list? Absolutely not, right? Can any of these happen? For as it is written, for the sake, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 
See, we can approach life, a Christian life, is, hey, it's us versus them, and we're going to lose. There's a lot more of them than there are of us. And guess what? You're going to believe stuff, and people are going to call you crazy. Not only that, the even idea of what you believe is going to be called crazy. That, that when the news is sprouting this, that, the other thing, to even bring up that, hey, maybe that's not what's going on, you seem hateful and, and totally insane. And we can approach life like this, that, hey, for Jesus' sake, we are being killed all day long, persecuted, hated. We are guarded as sheep to the slaughter. Verse 37 is what we're supposed to think like. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor in angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, no height, nor depth. Is this an all-inclusive list? Uh, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. What if we went into life with that? That nothing, no arbitrary hardship, no, no insane challenge can separate us from the love of God. Changes our perspective, does it not? Right? Uh, so we're going to continue on to the, um, the fill-ins today. So this is part two, so just continuing off what Scott did last week. So in, in order to win the holy war, in order to win this war that's going on in our life, we have to remember that we have already won. That's a great feeling. We have already won, but not yet. Remember, we like clean. We live in the finite. We live simple. God, infinite, does not work like that. That, that, that hey, uh, we approach life so much the time that like like verse 36 here that hey we're just losing we're fighting a losing battle in every generation every year it's getting worse and worse and stuff's happening and why what's the point we we can we can work like that or we can realize that hey it doesn't matter what what society has deemed is true there is truth and we don't get to define it, and God gets to define it. The war, the battle, is already over. We are saved. We are free. Already, but not yet. Let me give you an example. I'm in college. Um, uh, there's intramural football league going on and um, we're all playing together, having a good time. And we're taking it quasi seriously because we're all competitive. We want to have a good time, but we're all like red blooded American men and we want to win. Right? So we're, we're going into games, win and lose and all that stuff. And when we lose, we get mad. Eventually we play this team who is, they do not care about winning. Right. And, and every, it was, it was an amazing time. It was super fun. They do not care about winning their, their whole game plan was to have an insanely fun time and to do the craziest stuff they, they can get away with. If they could lose a hundred to zero, 
That'd be funny. And this is an example. If I lost by one point, I'm throwing something. I'm so mad. I'm in college, so I'm just like, you know, I'm getting so mad. If they're losing 100-0, they're having a great time. We approach that game thinking the war, the battle, the game is already over. We're going to kill them. We're going to just destroy them. They're going to see how we're going to. Do you know what happened? You weren't there. You don't know. We approached it thinking the battle was over. Half the team, our team, didn't show up. The battle, the war, the game was over. We didn't have enough players to play. We lost. Think about life. You are set free. We are set free. Past tense. Has happened. Crossed. Already done. We are redeemed. It's great. Glorified. We are sons and daughters of God. I could do whatever I want. I could sit. I'm set free, baby. I don't care. We approach life like that. Absolutely. The game is already over. Not in in the way you're thinking got to show up you got to fight you got to struggle remember it has already happened and absolutely as much as that's true it is happening we are saved and we will be saved we have been redeemed we will be redeemed the flesh and here's our next point the flesh is dead and the spirit is alive the flesh is dead the spirit is alive, but not yet. Oh, I don't like that one. Isn't it great? We are free from addiction. We are fl- free from the slavery of sin. I know uh, the old is gone. The new has come. I'm, I'm done. I'm good. But I, why did something not happen? Did I call the wrong God? Did, what, I'm still struggling. I, I was try, I had an addiction, and then I became a Christian. I'm, what's going on? The old is gone. The dead, absolutely. The fight is still happening. The flesh is dead, and it's dying. The spirit is alive, and it's becoming more alive. Romans eight ten says, "But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness." This uh, verse eight, uh, chapter eight, sixteen through seventeen says, "The spirit, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God." If the children, then heirs, the heirs of God and the fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The work of the cross is done. Absolutely. It hasn't even begun yet. The story is not even done yet. What Christ did on the cross absolutely is done. He went to the cross. He died. Guess what? Children, a hundred years from now, are going to learn about it. It's still happening. It's still going on. Your your great-great-grandkids are going to learn about Christ, and and that story continues. And, And here's where it might get a little rough and a little crazy. What if the story of the cross isn't done in our lives? personally, 
individually. That yeah, I accepted Christ and I accepted the cross and I understand what happened. Absolutely, and that happened 15, 20 years ago, 70 years, it doesn't matter. What if that story of the cross has just begun in our lives, that the story of redemption has only become, has only started? That yeah, God set me free from alcoholism and whatever, it doesn't matter. Fill in the blanks of your own life, it doesn't matter. And he's continuing to do so. This beautiful story of the cross has only begun, right? And, and, and the great part of that, about that, and the, one of the reasons why we come to church is that this story isn't just for us. It's not just in our lives. It's for others around us, right? And we can have this mentality that, hey, it's, it's me versus the world, and, and look at all this craziness, and I'm looking out there, and it's, it's me and that versus them, and gosh, they're so dumb, and I hate this, and I hate that, and why all the... Right? We'd have this mentality. Point number three, we can know our allies. We can know our allies, but not yet. We can know our allies, but not yet. Absolutely, 100%. Go to church. Join a small group. Join a ministry. Get along with other people. Do the things you need to do. Be open. Share the, the dirt that you have in your life. Even though you're the only one with problems, nobody else has problems, right? Uh, share that. No people are here to help you. But don't shut other people out. Your allies, your list of allies is in set in stone. We look at this life and say, it's people in this church versus people out there. What is our view of them? What are we telling them that their view of Christ is? That, that your life is meaningless. It's done. It's set in stone. See, we, we approach life in the way of, hey, that I'm a Christian and you're not a Christian and we can't ever... As much as it's true that your story is not complete, that the doing, the, the works of the cross is not done in your life, the works of the cross is not done in their life. That's why inviting your friends to church, telling them about Christ, just having a real and honest conversation with people about Jesus is so important. And it always goes back to what I started the sermon with. We say, we believe, we, we, we say that God is most important, that we can't do it without him. And Christ died for everybody and loves everybody. And Man, it's so good. But we war with ourselves and we say, telling others about Christ is a bother. That why would we tell them about Christ when when I don't that's so weird. That's and on we believe that this is eternal and that this is what life's all about, and we shouldn't be living for this finite world. We should be living for this, but we day day after day look at others and say, Yeah, it's just weird awkward conversation that's the war that's going on when we say one thing and we live something entirely different father god i just thank you for this time i thank you um that that you are with us god 
thank you that, that even though there's a war, even though there's a battle, even though that there's struggles, that you are are with us, God. And like the passage said today, God, that, that it doesn't matter who's against us. If you're if you're for us, who can stand against us, God? We just thank you and we love you for today, God. I just pray for this offering we're about to receive, God. I pray that it's pleasing to you and that if there's any guests or visitors here today that they feel no obligation to give, but simply understand and recognize what we do as a church family, God. Pray for all these things in your name. Amen. Hey, we um, have a great opportunity next week. I just wanted to make a quick announcement about, you know, um, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for certain things. And I want you to meet one of them next week. Uh, Linda Burquist is a church planting coach for the California State Southern Baptist Convention. And she's going to be our speaker next week. And we're 12 years old. And long before we started, she was helping plant churches, many of the different ethnicities. And for the past 12 years, while we've been doing this, she's been helping plant many churches, many of them of different ethnicities. And uh, she has a great heart. We've been trying to get her for a while to come up and speak here. And we're going to get to hear what's going on in church planting. And then a new opportunity we have as a church to help another church plant and launch. I'm very excited about We'll hold off for that announcement for next week. But I hope you'll be here and, and give uh, Linda her best, all right? Until then and beyond, may your relationship with the Lord be complete and not yet. Amen. Amen. Go with him.